0: Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible reading guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author Dr. Matthew Jacoby.
1: Good morning, Matt. Morning, Stu. Winter is definitely here uh, in our part of the world. Anyway, I know listeners sure are is. listening from all over the place, but uh, it's a cool, another cool morning here and a bit of a windy night. Actually, last night I, mm. I'd have to say wind kept me awake a little bit. But you're uh, doing the weather report now. Yeah, I'm doing the weather report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be a radio DJ. <laughs> Not really. Uh, Anyway, welcome listeners. Glad to have you joining us for Thrive Deeper uh, as we continue our journey through uh, the prophet of Jeremiah, his writings. And uh, before we jump in, Matt, to to this particular um, section of Jeremiah, uh, I just wanted to talk to our listeners a little bit about Thrive, the printed Mm. booklet. And uh, for for many years since we've been publishing Thrive, uh, we've sent this into prisons right across Mm. Australia. Um, and they're shipped in free of charge. Um, fairly large quantity, about sixteen thousand of them go into prisons every year across yep. across the country. Here, it's and one of
0: the few resources that actually does get in. Get, uh, get
1: in. Yeah, yep. and uh, and Matt, something um, pretty remarkable happened recently. Mm. Perhaps you know, somewhat driven by the fact that these booklets have been going into to the prisons. Yeah, you want to show
0: corrections Victoria actually uh, approached me, uh, got in contact with me, and. Uh, said you know there was a group of prisoners that were m- meeting together and you know doing bible study based on the on the thrive uh, wow. bible reading guide and uh, i've i have actually received letters from uh, from prisoners actually all around australia yes. in response to, to reading so it really does get used mm, there mm. Th- there was one particular letter that was from one, a, a, lo- a local prison there was a guy that was running a group of and he said can we come in and uh, and actually the prison sometime later got in touch with me as well and so i've been able to go in and now actually i go in weekly wow and i hold do a bible study actually uh with uh with a bunch of guys in uh in there and uh it's you know i mean i i i see firsthand how important this resource actually is
1: for them and a bunch of guys is what two or three or
0: oh no no there's no there's about a dozen i I met with about a dozen you know there's always someone new or you know it's it's there's amazing things happening. Yeah. Uh, God is in prison. Yes, you know. I mean, yes. a, and and he's working in people's lives yeah, totally. uh, in, in in those in the prisons, and you know, this is resourcing that. And we should expect that. Where did Jesus go? Jesus went to the people that needed him the most, That those that society cast as sinners. Yes. Um, Jesus tended to go to those people. And I'm seeing that in our day yeah. as well, yeah. as I go into the, the prisons and just see the responsiveness of yeah. these people to,
1: to Christ. Uh, mm. It really is amazing. Mm. And Yeah, this this kind of connects with our story in Jeremiah, really, because the people are going to end up in exile and they're going to be asking themselves the question, how did I get here? Yeah. Which is you know, often yeah, the question right. yeah. people are asking in prisons. Yeah. And so this has been an amazing resource. In fact, you know, we've, we've had letters, as you say, from people who have actually come to faith um, yeah. directly as a result of their yeah. connection with Thrive through the prison chaplains who, who distribute these for us into the yeah. prisons right across Australia. But currently that 16,000 that are going in across the country, only about half of them are actually funded. So we have to actually find funding to help keep that happening. Cost of everything's going up. Yeah. We would really love your help yeah. if you could help. Help uh, us continue to support this mission into our prisons. Uh, Jump on our website, thrivetoday.tv. At the top of the page, you'll see a button that says sponsor a prison subscription. $16 a year gets 16 copies of Thrive into the prisons every year. So if you can help in any way, we would really appreciate uh, your support of that ministry. Yeah, that's great.
0: Thrivetoday.tv. TV.
1: Thrivetoday.tv. Yeah. Spot on. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeremiah, and mm. uh, again, um, we're getting to the pointy end. Just for those listeners that are, that are jumping in perhaps at this point in time, a bit of context around the passage, we're going to be looking today at uh, Jeremiah chapter 34, going up to chapter 40, just a little bit into chapter 40, and then we're actually going to jump to Lamentations, but we'll come Come to that a little later. Some historical context, of course, this is in the final years of the kingdom of Judah, and uh, and, and we go into the early Babylonian captivity. Uh, as we know, Jeremiah was a prophet who was delivering messages to the people of Judah, warning them uh, that because of their disobedience to God, this the impending destruction of the city was coming and their exile. So, at this point in time, remembering that um, some parts of Jeremiah, particularly the se- segment we're going to be looking at today, isn't necessarily in chronological yeah. order, so it does jump a little bit. But really we're at the point where the city is now besieged by the Babylonians. The people inside the city are starving. Uh, there's famine. Uh, there's there's destruction of their cities happening uh, surrounding the, the city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah continues to proclaim this judgment you know, yeah. uh, upon the people for their sins. And continues to get shunned for that and in fact suffer really quite significantly uh, for Increasingly it. actually Increasingly and so we see yep.
0: now that he, he really does uh, he really does suffer a lot yeah, totally. for his message. It's interesting the the back and forth is and there's not as much actually in this section now. No. Um, there's there's one section that goes back to, to Jehoiakim. Joachim, yeah. So it, it goes just Josiah uh Jehoiada, I think, is that right? Yes. Yeah, and then uh, and then Jehoia Kim, and then Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin. A little confusing, I know. And then you've got uh, Zedekiah, Zedekiah. Who was the last that? king of Judah yeah.
1: before the exile? So
0: things really start heating up under the reign of Jehoiachin. Uh, so it's the, significant for Jeremiah is the reign of Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim, and then Zedekiah. Yes. So those yes. three kings. Now, it, the Jehoiachin only reigns for three months. He's, yes. Uh, he's the son of. Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim rebels, and then Egypt take him yes. eg- into exile because uh, he rebels against you know, the Egyptians against rules. Egypt.
1: So remember, at this point in time, listeners, Egypt and Babylon are kind of the big power yeah. brokers, and there's a bit of a battle tussle going on on who who do you back here as being the power. And they're right in between, <laughs> and they're right Judah in the is
0: right in between the yep. two. So who are you going to back? And yeah, and so Jehoiakim disappears into exile. Jehoiakim is like left with the crown. Yes, you know, <laughs> thinking, oh no. Uh, and then he has to face uh, the, the the Babylonians who come yeah. in. That he gets taken into exile, and then you've got Zedekiah. Now, I was thinking about the reason for the back and forth, and particularly in this section, it seems evident to me because in chapter thirty six, he it goes back to Jehoiakim, yes. and it's the story about Jehoiakim burning the scroll. And I think it it underscores the reason for what's happening. It, it's at this point because most of this is dealing with the time during the siege a terrible terrible siege yeah Jerusalem is surrounded by the Babylonian armies and they're just starving the people out and
1: and they're getting pretty frustrated about the fact that they've had their army camped there for quite oh, some for time oh for a long
0: time and it's not pretty inside the city i mean no. the people resorted to cannibalism and yeah. all sorts of things it was yeah. it was a time of immense suffering for the city and so the question is why you know why is this happening why are we suffering and and i think you get that's where you get these flashbacks because that story about Jehoiakim burning the scroll of the lord is is very significant we'll i'll say a couple more things uh, about that because we pick up from zedekiah it's interesting zedekiah is in a very difficult situation you know he is he's a bit sandwiched between his officials on the whole yes. who who want to Want to resist? He, he doesn't seem like a particularly strong leader. He's he's mm. quite beholden to his officials, his and officials, and, and I think because mm. he he was installed by Nebuchadnezzar, there's a, a sort of air of illegitimacy about his reign, and and I think he's able to hold on as a sort of Babylonian puppet in some ways. So he he's sort of sandwiched between that and also then these officials that want to rebel against
1: Babylon well was he a puppet cuz i think at that point in time he'd kind of decided we're going to go on our own and he was rebelling against Babylon oh the well he was meant to be a babylonian puppet yes correct yeah yeah and so he's got the problem of do my people actually trust that i'm no longer a babylonian puppet that's right even though he doesn't want to yes. be a babylonian puppet in, so in reality so he's right in this difficult spot yeah, yeah. and and
0: add to that he's also I think he, he recognizes Jeremiah as a prophet, yeah. and so he has this really painful... T- I, 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 feel, I feel for Zedekiah a bit, if I'm allowed to, oh, because yeah, I, I sense his struggle. He recognizes Jeremiah as a prophet, and, and he keeps consulting him, but he just can't give way to Jeremiah because of the pressure that he's getting from his officials. And I'm not saying he's not culpable for, mm. um, for, for anything, but...
1: But, but I think also it's fair, you know, there's a nationalistic kind of a sense here. It's like, I mean, obviously ignoring what the prophets said, why would yeah. we allow ourselves to be defeated by the Babylonians? Why wouldn't we go yeah. and fight and hold on? And there's this whole nationalistic thing of their identity, yeah. uh, dismissing the, the fact that God, through Jeremiah, had already said, the best thing for you to do. Is actually to surrender to the Babylonians. Yeah. Uh, that's going to save the bloodshed. Yeah. So Zedekiah absolutely yeah, which, is right on
0: this. That's right. Which he doesn't. Mm. He doesn't right. do that. And it would have actually saved uh, quite a bloodbath. Mm. Not to mention save the complete destruction of the city. Yeah. Probably yeah. Th- that, that happened because they were just sick of it by that stage if, mm. if he would have surrendered. And it also, if he would have surrendered, it would have saved him, actually, a lot of pain as well. Mm. Now, the interesting thing here is in the first half of chapter 34, the message of God to Zedekiah through Jeremiah is that he he's not going to die by the sword yes. like a lot of his people are. In fact, it says, God says to him, you're going to die peacefully. Mm. Um, and the
1: people are going to honor you with a normal kind of burial. That's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you sort of wonder why, but I think maybe that's a, an An expression of the fact that he he is a bit caught in between, perhaps. Uh, And yet, at the same time, because the consequence of him rebelling against the king of Babylon and going against God's word is that, when the walls are breached, he escapes out the other side, and they yes. catch up with him, yeah. and they actually pluck out his eyes. Mm. No, no, they kill his sons in, in front, front of him, of him first, yeah. and then they they Take pluck out his eyes. And so, yes, he is taken then into Babylon in that state, and he dies a natural death. It it jumps to, uh, here then to an interesting uh, situation in which it seems that during the siege they started letting the slaves go. Now it was against the law of Moses
1: every 7 years you had to release them yeah that's right yeah, yeah. and they hadn't followed that well,
0: they hadn't really followed that but now suddenly they're following that and and part of that may be that they're realizing uh, to some extent we haven't followed the law but most probably It's actually because- They can't afford to feed them. They can't afford to feed them. There's no food. (laughs) Exactly. I think they're they're probably claiming some merit Mm. uh, for, oh, look, we're setting the, you know, look, Lord, we're setting the slaves free. Yeah, but Mm. that's because you just can't afford to feed them now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it says
1: in in verse- Well, they started to obey, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. And then they changed their minds, you know, and decided, "No, no, hang on a minute. Who's and so
0: Jeremiah says to him, and this is the word of the Lord to Jeremiah in verse 15, recently you repented and did what is right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom for your own people. You even made a covenant before me in my house that bears my name. But what happened then was that when the siege was temporarily lifted, which it was because Egypt, they thought uh, the, the Egyptian Egyptians army yeah, the Egyptian mm. started to approach and then mm. the Babylonians went, withdrew from Jerusalem to engage them. And everyone thought, oh, we're saved, right? Because they, they... Continually thinking God's gonna save us. Yes. Because they believe that God's gonna save them and they read that as God saving them. So what do they do? They get take all their slaves back.
1: back. So exactly. (laughs) So thanks for that. Now we're gonna disobey you. That's right. Now we're
0: gonna Yeah, thanks Lord for coming
1: to our aid. Now we're we're gonna disobey you. It's just crazy. But of course the Egyptians didn't continue, they turned back as well. Yeah, that's right. And so of course then the siege came on them and, and uh that's when, well, prior to that was when they took all the slaves back. The chapter kind of ends there. Chapter 34 ends there with yeah. uh, Jeremiah kind of reaffirming mm-hmm. the prophecy concerning Zedekiah's fate and um, that he'll die in peace uh, yeah. and, and honored with the customary funeral. Yeah, that's right. Then we get on to the Rechabites now. Yeah, and we're going back here
0: now yes, to the reign of are. Jehoiakim. Yeah. Um, and again, this is ch- chapter 35 and 36. Mm. You know, I think, uh, again, giving some of the reasons why. Mm. And now the,
1: the Rechabites, if, just correct me yeah. if I'm wrong here. So during the reign of King Jehu, and we you may remember, listeners, if you went th- through the King series with us here at Thrive Deeper, which was the 9th century BC, um, uh, the father of um, Jonabab, uh, I think it was, yeah. uh, uh, whose name was Rechab, uh, well, Jehu initiated a purge on the house of Ahab. You might remember that, yeah. which was the ruling dynasty at the time. Yeah. And they carried out a, a massacre of the prophets and worshipers of the Cainite god. Baal, and Jehu encountered uh, Jehonadab Jehonadab. Jehonadab. and sought sought his support in upholding the religious reforms, which he did, and uh, as a result of that, the group of people, the family following from that, really decided to set themselves apart from what was potentially idolatry. And and to do that, they decided to abstain from certain things. They weren't going to sit in cities where they could be assimilated into other practices. They were going to be somewhat of a nomadic people. Mm. They weren't going to drink wine. There was a a number of things. And and those weren't because those were rules. That was because they wanted to be reminded that they were setting themselves apart.
0: Yeah. uh, It was a really interesting vow because Mm. essentially, you know, they were vowing to live as nomads, as Israel did before they entered the land. Yes. Because in some ways, all the problems started when they entered the land, yeah. and there was this sort of—it it was almost a kind of monastic ideal, uh, really. But they're honoured here, actually, mm. for mm. this commitment. And Jeremiah is led by God to lift them up as an as an example, yeah. uh, because he invites them to dinner and then puts wine before them. Yeah. Very tempting, uh, I may say. Mm. Uh, and yet they don't. They say, no, we refuse to because we have made this vow following uh, our forefather, Jehonadab. Mm. And Jeremiah says, well, look, folks, uh, he's, you know, to the message to the rest of the people. Here, here are these people. They actually won't drink wine. And yet... You can. Dri- All I'm asking of you is that you don't turn to idols and you you know, mm. you obey me. And yet you haven't. Mm. And so he uses the, these uh, Rechabites as an example of what faithfulness is yeah. to really show up the unfaithfulness mm. of the people who who you know the requirements for whom God's requirements for the rest of the people were no not nearly as stringent as mm. the as the self imposed requirements of yeah. these recobites.
1: Yeah, um, totally. And yet they. Stuck to their vows, and this is not about wine or, or any of the other vows that they'd made. This is more just about obedience, really yeah. obedience to their foref- forefathers, and yeah. and they were just their forefathers. Jeremiah's saying, "But God, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you you can't be obedient to God, but these people can be obedient to to, to just a gr- their to a forefathers. grandfather. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's. I mean, the drinking wine thing is associated with with vines and and with a sedentary lifestyle. So yeah, um, that's the significance of that. As we move into chapter 36, we get this story uh, about the scroll. Now, what happens here, the the burning of the scroll that I referred Mm. to earlier? And we're back
1: in King Jehoiakim's time We're still in the
0: time of uh, Jehoiakim uh, in chapter 35 and 36. So there's obviously, this is evidently during a time of fasting for a sort of national crisis. And Mm. and you can imagine when the national crisis (laughs) is to do with the international events that are happening – they know that this babylonian uh, storm is bearing down upon them so they proclaim a fast and jeremiah says to uh, to his scribe to baruch mm-hmm. baruch has a very interesting role isn't it i mean it, it, he becomes fairly prominent character in the story from from here on mm-hmm. he has his scribe baruch write down his prophecies and baruch takes them and he reads them in Uh, in a room in the temple, in front of the temple. Because Jeremiah
1: was banned from going in the temple at this point in time. He was kind of in um, home arrest for want of a better term. I think he was in the the guards uh, area where he was kept. He he was banned because of prophecies he'd already been doing in the temple. He was... Not allowed to the temple, so he had to send a scribe. So he goes up to this room, and evidently
0: Jeremiah has certainly has sympathizers uh, amongst Mm. the priests, and it seems that this man, uh, Gemariah, uh, he has a room up there, and so he's able to, from the window of that room he's able to sort of read uh, read this out uh, may may it may partly be <laughs> he's reading from the room so if there are any of ob- objectors they can't just attack him on the spot <laughs> yeah. he's got a bit of safe distance there perhaps uh maybe they locked him in <clears throat> so he could keep reading but obviously this arouses a lot of concern amongst the inhabitants because again jeremiah is acknowledged by many people as uh, as a prophet and so they take this scroll to King Jehoiakim. This is cutting a long story short.
1: Well, before they do that, just very quickly, yeah. uh, the people, as you say, who were were sympathetic and 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 sort of respected Jeremiah, told both Baruch and Jeremiah they should go into hiding. Uh, yeah, that's because right. Because they yeah. knew once the king heard this, they weren't yeah. really sure how he was going to yeah. respond to this. So that's right. And and of
0: course, when they go before the king, they read the scroll, and it says in verse uh, twenty three, it says, "Whenever Yehudi had read three or four columns uh, of the scroll, the king." cut them off with a scribe's knife mm. and threw them into the fire pot until the whole scroll uh, w- was was burned. was burned. So it's a very interesting response. And interesting thing about this is that it directly contrasts with Josiah's response yeah. when the same thing happened. The, you know, the scroll was brought to Josiah. Mm. It was read in Josiah's presence. And mm. he tore not the scroll to but bits, his but his clothes, yeah. Um, in in a response of repentance, uh, so yeah, so interesting uh, interesting contrast here with Josiah, and it's meant to it's meant to make that uh, make that contrast. So it even says in verse twenty four, the king and all his attendants who heard these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. That's a, again, it's a reference back to instead of. Tearing up the scroll yeah. and throwing it into the fire, um, Jehoi- Josiah, Josiah actually, yeah. you know, tore his clothes, which is a sign of uh, yeah. of penitence. This is when Baruch and Jeremiah have to uh, that go they have hiding. to go into hiding. So, pretty much course, is is indicative of the attitude of Jehoiakim that leads to this yeah. uh, disaster.
1: And of course, Jeremiah dictates <clears throat> a new scroll. And now yep. it includes a bit about what's going to happen to yep. Joyakim because yep. of his actions in yep, tearing right. up and burning yep. yeah, and burning the scroll. So that's added uh, to the scroll. Yeah, yeah. You might remember in
0: a previous episode and an earlier chapter uh, the story about Jeremiah buying a field. Yes, he purchased a like an ancestral field, which was part of his uh, sort of obligation to retain his ancestral chapter share thirty-two. Of the that was promised yep. land. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, here he actually, during the lifting of the siege, so we're back now at the time of That's right. Zedekiah. Zedekiah, evidently probably during the lifting of the siege, he thinks, well, I'll go look at the field that I've uh, mm. bought. But he is accused actually of deserting. Of trying to escape. Because yeah. people think, oh, you're on the Babylonian side because you're- you're yeah, telling us to, to surrender. To surrender, yeah. right. Yeah. So they assume he's going to take this opportunity to go out and, mm. and surrender, which of course uh, he's not. In verse fifteen, they were angry with Jeremiah and had him beaten and imprisoned uh, in the house of Jonathan, the sec- secretary, which they made into a prison. It says that Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he ma- where he remained a long time. Uh, there's an interesting comment actually that ma- made by one commentator uh, here that I that I really loved, and I might just read this, Stu. It yeah, says uh, the scene is just as moving as it is historically interesting. On the one hand. Uh, is the prophet disfigured by mistreatment, the prison atmosphere and privations, but firm in his predictions without any invective against his in persecutors, without defiance, exaggeration or fanaticism, simple, physically mild and humble. Mm. On the other hand, is the king, who obviously against his own will had been led by his officials into the war venture, anxiously watching the lips of the martyr for a favourable word for himself, whispering secretly with the man, uh, whom his officials imprisoned for treason. A weak, a poor creature, but not evil. A king, but much more bound than the prisoner who stands before him. Yeah. So that's referring to the fact that Zedekiah, even when Jeremiah's in prison, consults him. In chapter, we're
1: in chapter thirty-seven at this point. Yes, right. that's right. Yeah. We're in
0: chapter thirty-seven. So he's in prison and he sends envoys to get sends, to get Jeremiah. And, and, and so he's with, so here is Jeremiah imprisoned, hmm. you know, within Zedekiah, Zedekiah's realm, and yet Zedekiah is kind of helpless yeah. to do, and and so he's going to Jeremiah and consulting him, and 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 I just thought that was a wonderful contrast. Point, you know, here here is Jeremiah, who in many ways is is free because he's walking in God's purpose, and yet you get this sense that Zedekiah is more bound, bound yeah. and and inhibited because he can't follow his conscience at all. he's sandwiched between the officials and the Babylonians and mm. so you get this this sense that the king is more bound up than Jeremiah is Jeremiah yeah. is freely even though he suffers for it, his conscience is following the word of the Lord, there's a sense of freedom to yeah, Jeremiah totally. uh, as opposed to uh, Zedekiah and and actually that's borne out you know a l- little further on when we see that when the city is destroyed. Zedekiah and, and everyone else taken captives, but Jeremiah is set free. Yeah. And, you know, so even there at that point, you know, mm, we, we yeah. see that ultimately by following God's word, Jeremiah really continually, even when he's in prison, mm. he always looks more like the free man yeah. than even the king does at this stage. It's powerful, isn't it? Because yeah. the king is just terrified of the yeah. people and well, the he, Babylon. It, he's in a no win situation, and really. He's in a no win.
1: Uh, because he's judging that win by man, man's judgment yeah, rather than by right. God's. And the only thing God's, you know, and Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord in, in this confidential conversation, shall we say, between him and Zedekiah, that says to the king that he should surrender. Uh, if he does surrender, then his life will be spared. But if he doesn't, yeah. uh, then, you know, he will not escape the Babylonians. Yeah. And, and yet he continues. He he just can't bring himself to make that, that yeah. decision, Zedekiah.
0: Yeah. So he keeps Jeremiah's, yes, preach, keeps Preaching this message, yes. you, you've got to surrender, which is really received as being a really treasonous message. Uh, mm. You know, during and again, this is when the siege is is back on. Babylonians yeah. come back, yeah. cities under siege. So, thirty-eight verse two, Jeremiah says, "This is what this is the word of the Lord. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword, famine, and plague. But whoever goes over to the Babylons will live. They will escape with their lives. They will live." And the officials just won't. Uh, won't take this, so they throw Jeremiah into a cistern, yeah. and I mean it's a terrible. He actually would have died in the cistern had not had not had he not been taken out yeah. because it you know he sinks down in the mud. Yeah, that's right. You know it's cold. It's just like this.
1: Terrible, he's, and there's no food down there. So I mean, is no. the, he's he's basically going to starve yeah. to death. So of obviously, was else. A, it was yeah.
0: a disused system. Th- yeah. These were massive cavities, like it just with water a, in a hole water. in the ground. So yeah. you would have to be dropped in, yeah. um, and there's no way you can get out because it's just this hole. And then there's this massive sort of cavern, and uh, and it was probably disused because it had been breached, and so it would have been full of mud, quite deep with mud, yeah. because there would have been water in there and the mud and the water, It's like quicksand. So you know. Uh, and they, they have to lower Jerem you know, they lower Jeremiah in with ropes and and he sinks into the mud. And, but then Ebed Melech uh actually pleads his case. And it's interesting that he's an Ethiopian eunuch, interestingly. Mm. We we hear about an Ethiopian eunuch in uh in Acts mm. uh, book of Acts. And he pleads his case uh before the king, and actually he's He's released from the cistern where he would have died, but he's still under sort of house or any yeah. kind of house. Arrest. Well, the king
1: actually sends people to rescue him. So, again, you can see Zedekiah's tension yeah. between, oh man, I don't know which horse to back he is, at yeah. the Babylonians, or is it yeah. God, you know, in Jeremiah. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah. uh, he, he does that. And then, of course, he, he lifts him from the cistern, but then puts him back into the courtyard of the guard where he s- remains imprisoned. Uh, in, in, yeah, in that's right. Jeremiah. It's interesting in verse
0: 5 of, of chapter 38. When these officials come and say, you know, this man should be put to death, mm. it's interesting because they don't take Jeremiah and put him to death there, and then they just chuck him into the system. Their plan is that we're going to chuck him into the system, and he's just going to starve to death mm. in, in the mud. Yeah. I mean, that is, a, yeah. that is a rugged end for, uh, for Jeremiah. That was their plan. And, and to that terrible, terrible plan, Zedekiah says in verse 5, the king can do nothing to oppose you. He's in your hands. That shows, and this is the point, how trapped, how entrapped Zedekiah was by his own mm. officials. Mm. You know, I can do nothing to oppose you. Mm.
1: Kind of reminds me of a pilot. A pilot, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, Pontius Pilate, yeah.
1: You know, he's yours, I can't do anything here, yeah. you take him.
0: And and here, you know, I think, again, the contrast is just really interesting. Yeah. The king and Jeremiah and and how incarcerated mm. Zedekiah is yeah. in his... Personal situation, how torn he is, and and at least for all of Jeremiah's suffering, he is free because he's walking in God's purpose, you know. And yeah, and yes, totally. he suffers from it, but you do sense here that the greater suffering is that of Zedekiah, ultimately, particularly ultimately, ultimately yeah. yeah. But he, even in the midst of this situation, so you know, Zedekiah again consults Jeremiah. It's interesting he he, he keeps he keeps going back uh, mm. to uh, to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's promise is if you surrender the city, the city is not going to be burned. if you surrender, yes. the city won't be burned because yeah. one of the one of the disasters of course that is remembered in Psalms like Psalm 79 and is the fact that this the holy city including the temple, temple. was burnt to the ground yeah. that was for the Jewish people was just an unthinkable disaster. how could God let that happen right mm. the answer is here. God says through Jeremiah, to Zedekiah, if you surrender Surrender? now, the city 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 won't be. But if you hold on to this siege, um, they are just going to come in and they're going to raise the whole thing to the ground. Um, And of course, they don't. And the city, uh, the city was uh, was burned to you know, burned to a crisp. Chapter thirty nine talks about that. Talks about the 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 fall uh, of
1: Jerusalem, and and we get and Zedekiah's. uh, That's right, and
0: and this is where it overlaps with Kings. We get a lot of uh, similar material uh, in the book of Kings here. It says in verse 8, the Babylonians set fire to the royal palace and the houses of the people and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Ultimately, they also uh, ripped the temple uh, down as well. They took all the articles and took them into yeah. into Babylon. Yeah.
1: But Jeremiah, though, yeah, uh, in, in this part, this is where uh, he's not forgotten. By- That's right the Babylonians, yeah. by Nebuchadnezzar, or in fact, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the captain of the Babylonian yeah. guard, he receives orders to ensure Jeremiah's safety.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: So Jeremiah's found
0: uh, amongst the, the captives, in he's the bound captives. along yep. with them, and he's discovered there, and this commander comes. And it's interesting, he's obviously held in high regard by the Babylonians. Mm. Now, There are probably a couple of reasons for this. Maybe they had heard of Jeremiah's message. Yes, you you should surrender. So he actually gives him an offer: if you come with me back to Babylon, and you'll be treated really, really well. You know, Jeremiah. Interestingly, he doesn't want to do that. Having said, everyone else should leave. uh, Jeremiah chooses to stay. That was his prerogative to do that. I I don't think he would have disobeyed, uh, you know, God in that instance. Mm. But I think part of that was that he he actually didn't want to go under these circumstances uh, because he didn't he didn't want to give the message either that he was on the Babylonian side he wasn't on the Babylonian side right. he wasn't on Judah's side he was on God's, God's side you know it was right. a little bit like when the angel of the lord came to Joshua and Joshua said whose side are you on theirs or ours mm. and he said neither i'm mm. on God's side yeah. and and i think you know if he would have accepted this offer from the commander and, and come and, you know, clothed him and, and right. treated him well, you know, imagine going back with the. Yes, you're going back you're with all the captives and yeah. they're all in charge. Because
1: I hadn't thought of that because I was thinking more that he would be probably really useful to, to then talk about the. Rest- the message of restoration to the people in captivity, yeah. but I hadn't thought about the fact if they were going to elevate him, they how that ele- would look yeah, that's to, right. to everyone else. No, yeah, because really then,
0: then it would have, it would have in a way confirmed the fact, oh, so he, he is, So he, he was just a a,
1: a Babylonian puppet. He was telling them to surrender so that he would be treated this yeah. way, telling us to yeah, surrender. he was sorry, just so selling us out. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so Jeremiah, you know, I think, does this because he wants to make very clear? No, I'm not actually on their mm. side. So it's actually significant what he's refusing here because yes. he he's staying in a city in complete ruins. I mean, the crops, yeah. everything. This is yeah. he's going to live in abject poverty if he stays. But it's actually even worse than that because he he ends up getting taken back to Egypt and 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 he dies in Egypt. So Jeremiah is giving up a lot here yeah. for the sake of the integrity of the message. You know, so he can't be blamed for being on the on, on the side of the Babylonians,
1: yeah, it's and quite, not only is he offered to stay, but he's he's given provisions. It's it's like you know they really want to you know Nebuchadnezzar wants to make sure that Jeremiah is looked after in yeah. in the land, so he's yeah. given provisions. And you know, I mean the, one of the one of the other reasons
0: why he he may have been recognized or treated well by the God, not is probably not only because he predicted that, but also you know the Babylonians were superstitious enough. Right. If that's the, it's it's yeah. a bit of an anachronistic term, mm. but they were superstitious enough to not mess with a an acknowledged yeah. prophet. We, yeah. You know, if we treat him, you know, they are not going to mess with that. Yeah. Because they would be quite afraid. Of, yeah. A bit of the like we've seen in the culture all
1: around at the time. Yeah, that's it's like right. like you're never going to upset someone else's God or your own God because you don't know what that's going to yeah. mean for you. So it's like, let's well, not. Just in yeah. case, you know, yeah. let's hedge our bets here. We have this. It, it then,
0: you know, then goes to tell this, this terrible story about the assassination uh, of of Gedaliah, and, yes. and you know, we've covered this previously in talking through the Book of Kings. Kings. But mm. you know, but the story is that w- when the city was destroyed, uh, Nebuchadnezzar put this man Gedaliah uh, in charge as a governor, not as a king, but as a governor. Yeah to rule over the remaining people Now, basically it was the peasantry that was left <clears throat> because they still wanted to have the la- you know, to to farm the land and and whatever yeah and and Gedali is going to be uh, in charge of them now there is this his uh, commander uh, Johan, brings this sort of rumor or this you know suspects that this guy ishmael uh, is is plotting against him, but Gedaliah can't believe it. He thinks, "No, surely we're done with rebelling against the king of
1: Babylon." Yeah, what's the point?
0: Yeah, you know, like really, yeah. Uh, he doesn't believe it. it. Turns out, actually, that that he was right, and Ishmael actually assassinates Gedaliah, yeah. uh, a whole bunch of uh, Babylonian uh, officials. What a ridiculously stupid thing to do. Because what do you think is going to happen, you know, really? And and then, and he he hightails it anyway. He goes off and lives down in Arabia somewhere, uh, probably down near Edomite territory. Yeah. Johan, who's left then with these remaining people, including Jeremiah, by the way. Yes. They think, well, now the Babylonians are going to come back again, and there's no way that we're going to be spared. Yes. <clears throat> we yep. can't argue that, oh, we had nothing to, because they're just going to come and just wipe, because they're totally sick of this by yeah, now. Yeah, It's this been a while. continual rebellion, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, uh, And so they end up fleeing to Egypt. Jeremiah says to them, no, don't do this. If you stay... Uh, it can be explained. He, he yes. will, yeah. you know, we can explain this. Maybe Jeremiah thinks that he could probably yes. even help yeah. with that. You know, again, yet again, and this is the whole story of the book of Jeremiah, yet again, they don't do what Jeremiah says. Yes. Yeah. And instead, they they flee. And tragically, actually, they take Jeremiah with them. Mm. They say, no, no, we're going to Egypt. Oh, and by the way, you're going to come with us. Yeah. And And so poor old Jeremiah ends up back where the whole story starts back in the time of Moses. Yeah. And back in Egypt, Egypt. it's a sad finish to the Book of Jeremiah. Now we're not quite finished uh, yet, and we'll um, we'll come back. uh, We'll we'll come back a little bit. uh, But Matt, we're going to jump to (laughs)
1: Lamentations now. Mm. Just tell us a little bit why we're jumping out of here into Lamentations. Yeah, so
0: Lamentations is uh, is the book of the Bible that. Really encapsulates jeremiah's lament his his mourning over the destruction of Jerusalem, so yeah. once the city's destroyed, yeah.
1: so Jeremiah is the author of Laman that's Passions. right
0: yep, yeah. and he composes this lament over this city mm. uh, to mark this uh, this moment. I have always been moved by this book Stu. Yeah. i I, yeah. I mean I can remember going right back to when i'd probably been a christian for maybe 5 uh, 5 years or something and i remember being so taken by this book and and i'm trying to think back to what it was because i felt application you know i mean one of the things that i love reading about was all the you know these great moves of god and and i think at the time i felt that you know, where are all these great moves of God? You know, where is, I, I felt in some ways a little bit like Jeremiah at the time. And I felt that the where book of Jeremiah you, helped me voice, you know, helped me voice. <clears throat> I mean, at, at the time I was in a, in a small Presbyterian church that actually came out of a movement in Scotland, out of a great revival in Scotland, you know, and yet it was such a fledgling movement compared to, you know, compared to what it was at the time. And I remember thinking, Thinking how these great moves of God, how things can end up being, ending up in ruins for whatever reason, yeah. and uh, and really connecting with with the lamentation uh, of Jeremiah. You know, it's how does you know the the opening words? How deserted lies the city once so full of people? How like a widow is she? I, mean, I don't even have it in front of me. I I,
1: I know the words mm. uh, of mm. my heart. And, and Jeremiah, in, in the poem, uh, because this is actually an acrostic poem, so each chapter, each uh, verse in each chapter begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Yeah. Uh, so the first verse is, is the letter Aleph, and the, the second verse begins with the, the letter Bet. Um, yeah. But Jeremiah actually personifies Jerusalem almost as a grieving widow, yeah, that's really, right. uh, lamenting her losses and feeling yeah. really abandoned. Yeah. Um, and that's how he sort of personifies the city through yeah, he does. Lamentations. And
0: and the interesting thing about this too, Stu, is how he owns the people's sin. This this goes back to something we've said Yes. previously, yeah. and also in our Thrive Perspectives yes. uh, podcast. Again, I encourage people to get onto the Thrive Perspectives podcast. We talk a lot about Christian worldview and these sorts of things. And in that, we've talked a lot about corporate sin. And it's interesting in relation to that, how Jeremiah, he confesses the sin of his people as though it's his, his own well. sin. Yeah. He says in in 1 verse 14, My sins have been bound into a yoke. By his hands they were woven together. They have been hung on my neck. The Lord has sapped my strength, so he's he's confessing this, and then down in verse twenty, and so he's not
1: pointing the finger at someone else, <clears throat> no. and saying you're the bad guys. Uh, That's he's right. Saying we own this. That's right. So
0: verse twenty, see how distressed I am. Mm-hmm. I am in torment within in my heart. Uh, in my heart, I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Yeah, I mean, this is Jeremiah saying this at this point when they get their punishment, mm-hmm. something that. You know, there were moments in in his oracles where he says, Lord, would you just bring about what, so that they know that this is true? And yet when it happens, he's not saying, aha, there you go, I told you so. Yeah, He's actually, he laments over this situation and he owns it as a punishment even for himself. Yes. Because he doesn't set himself off from his own people. I just, it's a remarkable example of an attitude that I feel like is such a pervasively biblical attitude that's very difficult for us, you know, to kind of get and understand and grasp. In
1: our current culture, because we we're tend so individualistic and right, we, we s- tend to separate ourselves that's out right. from that, everyone else,
0: you know. Individual says, well, oh, that's terrible what you did. And then when you get your justice, it's yeah, there, there you go. You see, yeah. I told you so. But you don't get any of that in Jeremiah. The moment yeah. they are receiving these consequences, he laments for them, for himself, because mm. he, of course, shares in those consequences, yes, but and he doesn't say, "Hey, why should why should I suffer for for these things?" No, he uh, says he confesses the sins of his people mm. quite personally. I mean, mm. it's really quite striking how personal. Uh, this is. So he says in verse 22, let all their wickedness come before you deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all of my sins. He's talking about the Babylonians. Uh, let all their, when he says, let all their wickedness come before you deal with them as you have dealt with me because of my transgressions, yeah. because of my transgressions, so, yeah. my sins. Uh, towards the end of uh, chapter two, we have these exhortations, and, and, and these are the parts that I just love about this. And, and again, I I have remembered these verses. Uh, These are some of the earliest verses that I memorized uh, in Scripture. 2 verse 18, The hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your hearts like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger uh, at every street corner. As I said, as a, as a young Christian, I know I'm being a bit biographical about this, Stu, but this, uh, like, I mean, this this really caught hold of me. This because you know, as I said, I, I, I was in a very small you know church you know at, at the time and um. You know, and I and I really wanted to see, you know, it was like, why is this the case? You know, yeah. and, and you know, I can remember taking hold of this and praying and bringing this complaint before God. Why is this? Why is this place after? Why, yeah. you know, why is this? Uh, why are there no people here? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and actually, I mean, you know, it was interesting because during that period I actually saw qu- quite a lot of growth and people come into faith and, but yeah. I always remember what, you know, that. That this time of prayer that was very formative for me. It was really the first time I really complained before God, like really took hold in that faith sense, Mm -hmm. um, and and say, "Come on, God, what this shouldn't be like this." Where and and really
1: took hold, and you know, claiming the the promises of God, claiming the promises of God, and 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 even here Jeremiah sort of (laughs) talks to God about remembering. His covenant with them. That's right, know, yeah. Uh, appealing to his mercy and his compassion to That's right. So there are appeals here, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: And he says in verse 19, he says, I remember my affliction my wandering. It, again, notice, you know, my affliction and my, wander- my wandering, mm. you know, mm. uh, the bitterness and the gall, I, I remember them. My soul is downcast within me. Yet, he says, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his yeah. compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Mm. Great is your faithfulness. Mm. You know, the, the hymn, That's a hymn. Uh, very famous hymn, Great yeah. is Thy Faithfulness, is based on this yeah. uh, verse, uh, yeah. chapter 3, three. Yep. verse 23 of the book of Lamentations. You know, mm. again, fairly mm. obscure book, some might say. Uh, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Mm. Uh, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Mm. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, Mm. for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Mm. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful prayer there. And so he says, "Let us in verse forty, let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord." Who, you know, he's calling the people to repentance. This is what we need to do now. Uh, Verse forty-one: Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, "We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven." Mm. I think that message, Stu, is. Relevant for any any time and yeah, place, really, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh because we we we're never to set ourselves. Well, I haven't done it. I, I'm yes. I'm not. No, no. The key actually to a real move of God, I think, and and God moves corporately. And I think you know, this attitude of repent, humility, and repentance, mm. always has been and always will be the key the revival, to revival. The, and and, and, yeah. and what we see in exile, yeah. and of course these words went in, uh, into exile, um, some suggest that perhaps Baruch uh, did actually go uh, to Babylon, and because somehow all of all these prophecies got to Babylon. And, uh, and they did, they heeded, they w- read the words of Jeremiah. We know that because, of course, Daniel has the book of Jeremiah, Yes. Um, at the the end of the exile, and reads about the seventy years yes. and the famous prayer of Daniel in uh, chapter nine. Daniel chapter nine does exactly this. Mm. Uh, he prays and he repents, and and of course, there's this return. But actually, through that time of exile, as as a result of the the ministries of well, uh, Isaiah, the words of Isaiah were very precious to the exiles. Yes. the book of Jeremiah, the prophecies of Ezekiel. Of course, Ezekiel was active mm. uh, in exile.
1: And we'll be coming to Ezekiel re- and Daniel in our next yeah, that's uh, right. series on, on Thrive. So we'll be, be talking specifically right. about yeah. some of these. And things. you get this but, remarkable
0: yeah. re- revival during yeah. this time, Stu. Yeah. And so they heeded these words, mm-hmm. and it was a time of really national repentance and mourning. I mean, yeah. by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered yeah. Zion. Yeah. And this isn't just wallowing in grief. This mm-hmm. is them. This is actually an indication. Of repentance, of penitence, yeah. of owning uh, their sin, yeah. and this leads to a time of, you know, great
1: revival and
0: and, and ultimately a wonderful, uh, joyful mm-hmm.
1: return. Mm-hmm. Chapter four kind of just continues <clears throat> to go through a bit of the detail of how terrible the. The, the times we were in the city you yeah. know and, and mentions yeah. as you said that the mothers having to eat their children yeah, because yeah. there was no food just just horrid but then we get to the last the last chapter of lamentations unless you had anything else you wanted no, to say no, no. before we before we get there which is really a prayer for restoration this is the yeah. prayer that Jeremiah brings before the Lord you know yeah. and uh which we've touched on now reaffirming people's hope in God and clinging to the belief that God reigns forever and, and will not abandon them mm. and ultimately will restore, will fulfill his covenant That's in right. terms of the city. It's and interesting, David. the last two verses to you, uh,
0: restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. It's a. It feels like a sad ending to a sad book unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. However, if you know something about the Psalms, you know that statements like this are meant to be a very subtle covenant, what what I'm going to call a covenant provocation, because God had promised, and Jeremiah knows very well, that God has promised never to utterly and finally reject his people. And so it's just this subtle appeal to God's promise. It's a very interesting way to finish this. Come on, God, show us that you haven't utterly rejected us. And it's it's an appeal to God's faithfulness because right in the center of this letter, as we said in chapter two, is the acknowledgement God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive.